Hello and welcome to Gate Drops AMA Supercross 2023 podcast. I'm Jonathan McCready and joining me is Andy McKinstry. Andy, I've just seen the weather there in California. They're, it's raining while they're building the track, so all previews and predictions could go out the window this weekend. But overall, it's going to be a long season, especially in America with the SMX series, the 31 race series, I believe it is. It's going to be a very long season for these guys probably having to stay healthy, number one priority, but we're just going to look at the Supercross season in this preview show. And there's a lot of good riders, a lot of riders who think they can win races, who think it's their time for the podium. Two very good rookies coming in. Christian Craig we'll talk about later, but already has 450 experience. What are your thoughts? Looking forward to the season. It's going to kicking off the entire motor, motocross and Supercross season. A couple of days to go here. Anaheim's ready to go, and, and the riders, they don't have long left now for the gate to drop. Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's good that we're finally in 2023. It's been a while since there's been any major racing, so uh, now we've got Christmas and the New Year behind us. It's, uh, it's all, we're, we're going flat out now. As soon as Anaheim 1 comes, it's just racing, racing, racing. As, as you said, as if they needed any more racing in America, they've created a new series for everyone to enjoy, so that'll be, that means even more racing, along with WS. Uh, the World Supercross Championship on MXGP and everything else. So it's going to be a very, very busy year. Yeah, it doesn't start long going in from Anaheim. Kicks off your pre-season GP stuff and the GP on Supercross Outdoor Nationals SMX. It's going to be a pretty a pretty busy year. So we'll start off looking forward to Supercross. You have to start with, I guess, Eli Tomac defending champion. Had a, the perfect season last year. We saw him at, at Redbud and, of course, Cardiff for World Supercross, and that was only a couple of weeks apart. He was just able to move from outdoors to indoors, do what he wanted, and, and come away with the win. This year, he has a new bike, and I think that's interesting because we saw Cooper Webb last year coming in with a new bike, very confident in the, the pre-season press conference, said he hadn't changed the clicker from November. But when reality came, that bike didn't really suit Cooper Webb or seemingly anyone else in Supercross that whole season. I think for Tomac, it's going to be different. I've heard as well that Dylan Ferrandis really loves the bike. They've both talked about how it's easier to throw around. We've seen videos and clips of Eli looking very comfortable on the bike. There's still that question when it comes to race pace, race intensity with so many other good riders. Also, is it going to be as good off the start? That was something that Tomac was really good at last year. But for me, he's still the favourite. He's still the guy to beat. It looks at the minute like he's only going to be racing Supercross. So motivation is the last five months potentially of his career. He's going to go all in. He doesn't have a lot to lose. His legacy is secured. He's got a new bike. He keeps saying he loves. So for me, I think he is the favourite. But there's that wee bit. Is this bike going to make him worse? Is it going to make him better? And if it makes him better, look out everyone else. Yeah, well, I think it's probably the first time going into the season. I'm not even questioning. For me, he's going to win this championship. Uh, we take an injury or something drastic I think for him not to win the championship and that's probably it's quite weird it's probably the first time in his career he's always been one of the favorites but you were never whenever in his Kawasaki days you weren't really too sure about him mentally but since he's went to Yamaha he's a completely new rider and ever since winning his first supercross title really he's he's a new guy he knows how to he knows how to get the job done now and like what we've seen last year he won't panic if he has a bad round. He knows consistency will win him this championship probably. If, and if he rides the best, if he rides a Gila Tomac, good luck to everyone else. Um, and as for the bike, I don't. I think the bike will be. It won't be any worse than what what the bike already has been. I'm a no since Star has took on. 
the, the Yamaha 450 gig over in America. They've done a very, very good job. So I don't see any issues. Although what I will say is I don't think he'll win A1. That's my wild prediction. I think he'll win the title, but I think he, he's experienced enough now to know that a top three, even a top five at the first round is fine and uh, just go from there. Yeah, well, he actually said in the, the, I think it was the preview show, somewhere anyway, he said he described A1 as a learning race, which I thought was quite a good statement and alludes to what you just mm-hmm. said. He said he did want to, he wants to win it, but also it's a learning race. So I think he's aware it's not worth making mistakes. Yeah. And at A1, it's the first race where everyone is so hyped up for it. Like everyone's just, uh, yeah, whereas he's got the experience now, he's got two Supercross titles under himself. In his head, he's probably been in the best position he's he's ever been mentally. So he's just happy enough just to to take it as any other race. Whereas some other guys, you know, they they might try their very hardest this weekend, try and win the big one, and then you never know, might even fall to pieces off that. So it is going to be very interesting the first round because everyone is just so pumped for it. We've got racing back, but um, yeah, it's good. It's going to be an interesting one for me. The one to watch out for day one is probably Jason Anderson for me. I feel like. He, I feel like when it comes to the championship, he might be the one that that could really push Eli. Um, obviously, last year, up until the halfway point, you have to say Anderson had a bit more bad luck than Eli, yeah. and he probably should have been closer. But then the second half of the season, Eli sort of showed what he was capable of. And maybe Anderson, as he got behind in the championship, lost a bit of motivation. But if he can keep it close early doors, you never know, because he's another guy that knows what it takes to win this Supercross championship. And he also looks very good in the Kawasaki as well. Yeah, and that's going to be a second year on the bike. So you would imagine mm. that it wouldn't set teething problems because he looked good straight away. But I'm sure they've learned things that's going to make him more comfortable with just the team dynamics as well to come in far and straight away. And you would say he's probably, in theory, the closest challenger to Eli. And he, there's certainly no intimidation there. But again, last year you mentioned he got into he'd bad luck in terms of a couple of mechanicals, mm-hmm. but he potentially bad decisions that he was taking on riders that were going to have some revenge and wipe him out. And it kind of went that way, especially with Barsha, but with Malcolm Stewart and Tomac never gets into those duels very often. He's, he rides very fast. He makes aggressive passes, but they're never really annoying another rider that they want revenge. Anderson probably went the wrong way on some of those decisions, but again, he was unlucky that, people like Barsha just completely wiped them out on a couple of yeah, exactly. they just changed the championship and suddenly Tomark had the had the momentum and from there it was over yeah exactly that Um, I mean those two I think it's fair to say those two in Supercross last year were, were a level above the rest so it's going to be interesting to see who can step up to that level this year obviously you've got Chase Saxon who's probably going in with a, a, a the best feeling he's ever had in terms of the outdoors, he was fantastic, and um he should be stronger in in the four fifty this year. But then we've also to think about his future. You know, it sounds like he's going to be going to KTM in twenty twenty four. Will will that be on his mind? You know that sort of thing. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I think certainly those three, um, early doors. Hopefully those three can be close. And then obviously we've got the 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 storyline of Ken Roxon back back on a yellow machine on the Suzuki so I don't think he will have the consistency necessarily to, to win the championship as that's kind of been his Achilles heel this last three or four or five years going back to his big injuries but he can certainly win on his day he's still an unbelievable talent so I think there's no reason why he can't win races get on the podium it's just whether or not he has that consistency that he'll need to actually win the championship that he that he really really wants and 
that we all know he has this talent of winning, but so far it's just it hasn't went his way on Supercross. And I'm not sure the bike is going to be the reason he doesn't win the championship or can't win the championship. I think we've seen his health been able to stay at his peak level, peak fitness, over 17 rounds, especially outdoors. I think if he can cure that this year, I think he will have a chance if he can start off strong in the championship. He's obviously not had very long on the bike. So how good will his sentence be? Will he be able to be competitive pretty well? Ken Roxley's usually pretty good at adapting to bikes. He's had plenty of practice this off-season. We've seen what he could do on a private Honda. Um, he's rode anything and everything this year. So I don't... Uh, obviously, he's Larry Brooks coming on board as well. He knows how to win championships. Being with James Stewart, being with Jeremy McGrath, and Chad Reed as well. So you've, you've three of the biggest champions of the sport there. But he's quite intense. Ken Roxon is intense when he needs to be, but likes to relax as well. Probably more Jeremy McGrath, and McGrath and Brooks seem to get on well. So we'll see how that dynamic goes throughout the season. But I think the biggest thing for Ken's is health. It's not actually the Suzuki, unless he stalls it. <laughs> he's going to have to kickstart, yeah. which could go into his fitness as well, instead of just pressing a button. But generally, I think it's not a bad move for him because of his history with Suzuki. As long as he gets a base set and his calcium seems to have helped him with, I think he'll be there thereabouts. But again, it's the health. Suzuki are good at starts too, so he could be up at the front quite a bit. But for me, the pressure isn't on Eli. The pressure isn't on Ken because Ken's coming from, oh, well, it's a Suzuki. It's a four-year-old bike, essentially. Anything he does is a bonus. Tomac's almost the same because he's established his legacy. For Jason Anderson, he's won a Supercross title, but he's getting a bit older. How many chances does he have left? I think he's under pressure because he came close last year. But for Chase Sexton, I think he said himself, this is the year he's had enough experience. It's time to deliver. And he almost delivered outdoors. You couldn't really ride any better or get any closer than he did. This problem was Eli Tomac was able to match him every step of the way and when it really mattered, deliver. But I think Chase will have learned from that. Although we did see a lot of mistakes in Supercross last year, so I think PSYG is going to be there. It's whether he can eradicate the mistakes and whether he can take what he's learned from outdoors, where he was good all year on every track. He was barely below second, if I remember, but certainly top three positions all year long. If he can replicate that in Supercross, he could be the guy that Tomac really has to worry about, probably along with Anderson. But we're forgetting one guy here, Cooper Webb. Where are you putting Cooper Webb this year? For me, he could be a title challenger or he could be 5-10 to 10 if he doesn't like the bike. And there's rumours his last year with KTM and he might even go to Star or somewhere else next year. Everything's up in the air for Cooper Webb. Where do you see him in 2023? Well, I was at Paris and after the first practice in Paris, I was hitting the panic button already to tell you the truth. I mean, there was French guys, he probably... French guys he wouldn't have heard of were quicker on him and he was terrible up the whoops. But one thing I would say is he got better and better and better and better as the weekend went on. Um, and obviously he hadn't raced Supercross in so long. He hadn't even raced in so long because he'd give the Nationals a miss. So it was probably good for him just to get the, the rustiness of racing out of the way before A1. And I think he might have a slow start to the season maybe for that reason because he hadn't really raced in such a long time. Um but yeah, I don't see it being as bad as last year because they had so many bike issues last year. And I would like to think they've made a step in the right direction. It's factory KTM at the end of the day. And, you know, you can forgive them maybe for having one bad year with a, with a new bike. But if it was to, a domino effect into this year as well, there'd be a lot of questions there to ask. So 
I don't think he's a favourite for the championship. Maybe one of the contenders, maybe just slightly behind Tomac Anderson. He's probably going to have the consistency. Yeah, he's probably he's probably got the consistency over auction, and then you know he's got maybe that determination where on one random day he shouldn't win, but he, he for half a race he's good, and then he just he just he gets he pulls a win out of the bag that way. So yeah, probably fourth or fifth favor I would put him down as going into the season, but it's certainly. Going into the season, there won't be as much chat about him probably this year. Yeah. So that might take the pressure off too, which could help. But I just think he'll need two or three races, you know, to get back up the race pace, really. Yeah, I think if he starts well or is in and around it in the first two, three rounds of the mm-hmm. season, if he sees he can win, yeah. then I think the other guys will have to take him seriously because once he sees he can win, he's usually able to deliver on that and he'll do whatever it takes. It was seen before to try and tim- intimidate his competition. But it's hard to put a marker on him yet because we just don't know after last season with the new bike. Um, if you're going by Paris, that's not a that's not the best indication. But as you said, as the racing went on, he got a lot better. So another two weeks or another two months with Alden Becker as well, you'd imagine the bike will be better than it was last year. So it's almost a wait and see for Cooper Webb, what Cooper Webb will, will show up. We have other guys who you can almost overlook and probably shouldn't malcolm stewart finished i think third last year in the championship contender all year he's probably disappointed he didn't get a race win at times he was very close and justin barsha barsha's always and seems to be in that three to six form he can win especially at the opener but with these jason anderson looking strong you'd imagine cooper webb's going to be back ken auction on suzuki can Stewart and Barsha improve on what they did next on what they did in 2022? For Stewart, I think it's going to be as hard to be as consistent as he was last year, but I do think he has certainly has what it takes to get a win. Actually, I for A1, I, for, for A1, I'm predicting Anderson or Stewart to win it, actually. One of those ones I could see putting out a big W at the first weekend. But um, consistency-wise, it is going to be hard for him to keep that level, but you know he's like a fine wine. He seems to be getting better with it with every year somehow. So you never really know him, Malcolm. And I think it helps. Yeah, and I think it helps that he's maybe not one of the elite of the elite because then not a lot of guys talk about him. So then he ha- he hasn't got to deal with all the pressure that goes with that. So I think that does help him. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't rule him out. It can be he's going to probably be a top five guy. It's just whether or not he can get enough podiums and enough race race wins to to really challenge the elite guys. And Barshik, will he keep taking riders out? Will he turn over a new leaf? He's also no. on the new <laughs> gas gas frame. That, that he was on the old one last year and the other two weren't. It's going to be his first year on that new frame. That could be a 50-50 in the way that direction goes, although at least compared to the other riders who rode it last year, there's going to be a lot more data, a lot more parts, a lot more information for him to set the bike up. And I think another another thing to point out with Barsha is he isn't getting any younger, and he's obviously the only four fifty rider at Gas Gas. So, you know, Gas Gas are probably going to start thinking about replacing him if he doesn't. You know, be for me, he was a bit underwhelming at Supercross last year. So, if he does the same sort of results this year, will they think about um replacing him? So maybe that's a bit of motivation for Bam Bam try and try and just keep that ride really and go back to maybe what he was in Supercross two or three years ago, but then it's not getting any easier because we've seen a lot of the fast rookies come up and 
doesn't make it any easier for somebody like Bam Bam who's who's getting who's getting on a bit in his career. Let's be honest. Good in Supercross, but does he have the edge to win the title? Mm. You know, as you said, he's getting older. He was good last year, but also pretty wild at times and affected other riders' championships. How long can you keep that up? With people saying he still could be the guy. I think at the minute he's doing a job for Gas Gas. He's putting the brand out there. He's getting podium results. He's in contention. He's creating stories and headlines and coverage. But at some point, they might then think of we want a guy that can really challenge for this title. Exactly. And well, I suppose one other thing to point out is there is going to be injuries. So it's very the first thing is stay fit the whole entire season. If you do that, you're already putting yourself in a good good position to you know to get a top five top six in the championship so first and foremost stay injured or stay injury free but um matter. you know this there's, there's always something yeah, there's always yeah but the uh, bam bam maybe sometimes doesn't put himself in the right positions he should be either get you know intimidating other riders and things like that so certainly there's there's usually drama um in and around bam bam so it'll be interesting that's for sure the other austrian riders then marvin mistwin He's always good for a podium, maybe even a win. Stick, he's getting on as well, a bit like Barsha, mm-hmm. but he's still able to produce at times. And he's so technical, Supercross seems to come easy to him. You can't put it past him on a day that he's feeling good. And I think for KTM, he's he's almost a no-brainer to, to keep for 2023 after his performance last year. Webb's the guy they're still hunting to win the title. Marvin's the guy that can come up not far behind Webb, maybe even beat Webb. You know, he's, he's a good... Backup's probably too much of a harsh word, but um, I think he's he's a good guy to have there with Plessinger. You probably rate Marvin above him in Supercross at least. Absolutely, yeah. But Plessinger has a great style and he's very relaxed with a quite a unique personality until he gets onto the track and he does have the determination at that point on the track to do what it takes. But Supercross new bike last year didn't go his well, though he did get a podium. I'm still not sure how much he'll be able to improve. I'm not sure. He'll go to a consistent muscular or web level. So I think for him it's quite an important year to see what happens in his future career because if he can put it out of the bag this year then he's still young enough to get good contracts and really progress up the ranks in the 450. We've seen him outdoors, he can be very good. Supercross is generally what pays the bills in Americans. It's a big year for Aaron Plessinger. Yeah, well I think that's why KTM decided to keep Musquin because let's be honest, Plessinger was pretty underwhelming last year and if they were going to drop Musquin and, and only run the two riders in the four fifty class, you know, could you really bank on Plessinger having good, consistent results? On his day he is fast, but how often does he have his day? You know, it's one of those ones. And at the start of last year, <laughs> he definitely does believe in himself because when the results weren't good, he was still saying how fast he was at the practice track. He was one of the fastest at the practice track, but Sometimes that doesn't always correlate with his results. So I think uh, he'll probably want to start the season well and then go from there because if he starts the way he did the start of last year, it could sort of domino and be another underwhelming season. So let's see on that one. So another guy with probably maybe a crossers in his career is Adam Cincerillo. More proven in speed in 450 Supercross. Adam should has proven the speed to win races but never actually got the, the race win in Supercross. Injury always seemed to catch up with him. He's missed most of 2022. There were rumours that he was going to retire. He's not retiring. He's coming back. But if anyone heard the interview with Steve Mathis on Pulp, his tone was very on Adam Cincerillo-like. Very, it sounded downbeat, although his words were upbeat, so it was almost a contrast in, 
how he sounded and what he said. But where are you with him? Again, unknown. I think for him, he just has to finish the season and develop the speed and not try to go too quick too early. But he's quite a good starter. And if he gets away, you, you're almost afraid he'll get carried away because he deep down knows he has the speed to win races. Yeah, I mean, for SE to stay injury-free, for me, results don't really matter. What's the point in finishing fifth if you're going to end up in hospital the next uh, the next week or whatever? You know, just stay injury-free, try and last the season. And if anything, try and pr- prove to people that you can last the season because, I mean, if team managers are looking around, will they sign SE in the future? He hasn't really lasted a season so far in his 450 career that I can remember. So worrying times and for such a, such a big talent and somebody... You know who could be a potential, I would say probably potential supercross winner. I think he's more of a supercross guy than motocross guy, so I think that does help him in America. But um, he just needs to try and last, even if he can last the supercross season injury free. I'm sure he will get better and better as he gets more confident. But like you say, if he gets a good start, you know he's not going to back down, and that could be his downfall. Yeah. So moving on from Adam, we'll have the two rookies, Colt Nichols. He obviously got the Honda ride because of what happened with Ken Roxon, where Supercross and Honda fall out, and Roxon going to Suzuki left a spot open for Colt, and he's taken it. The problem with Colt is he hasn't really raced after those injuries in Supercross last year. The big crash in the whoops on the 250 to defend this title. If it hadn't been for that, it would have been pretty positive about what he could do, because especially in Supercross, he's very capable, very technical, pretty confident rider. Coming in, he has he has the Honda, he has Chase Sexton as a marker for what his speed needs to be. So I think there it's all good as long as he can adapt to the Honda. It's just for me more a question of injuries and the combination of being a rookie in this class, trying to find out where you belong and maybe you aren't quite at 100%. But this class, I think you need to be at 100% when you see the names he's going to be up against. Yeah, well, this is it. First of all, it's a, it's a it's a very big opportunity for him. Probably one that he maybe wasn't expecting to get a year ago. So he needs to try and grab it with both hands. But like you say, going from two fifty supercross to four fifty supercross, it is a very very big jump up. You know, this class is stacked, especially in supercross. So he just needs to try and not get carried away and just try and learn from the best supercross riders in the world. Even if he's top fifteen at round one, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Take that. Um, just try and improve race by race because like with what I said earlier, there's going to be injuries as well. So even if 15th isn't what he's after and probably not what he's after, you know, it would be a good starting point, I think, and then he'd be able to improve from there. Yeah, I think Christian Craig, on the other hand, he has experience in that mm-hmm. Yeah. Indoors to the 250, they're probably pretty similar, but I think Craig not being injured on a new bike as well, but apparently still very quick in the whoops. He's delivered on a 450 indoors and outdoors in terms of results. He's had top fives. He's with Alan Vegger, so I'm interested to see how that goes, if he can unleash some extra self-belief in Craig with the with the work he's doing. I think Craig could be a sleeper for a very good 450 season. If sometimes a feeling maybe doesn't truly believe in himself or when the pressure comes on, now he, he, got a, he proved that wrong, maybe slightly to take home that Supercross title last year after multiple attempts at doing it, he got that done. But 450, Christian Craig, he suits that bike perfectly the way he rides. He's so smooth and technical. He's made for a 450. For me, it's just whether he really believes he belongs in that elite group with, with Chase Sexton and Tomac, I think. And Anderson, I think talent-wise, he probably should be. But rookie year, trying to run all 17 and 18 rounds, which he hasn't done before, that's probably the question mark as well. 
but in the odd race here and there when he gets a start, I think he can certainly challenge for a podium in the top fives. Yeah, I mean, at last he's on a 450. I mean, a lot of Americans, you do watch them race on a 250 and you're not sure if they'll make the jump up to the 450 because, you know, the way of racing in America and especially in motocross, it's just pin it to win it. Whereas Craig has a very good technique, a very good style. So actually when you see him in a 250, you know he's going to maybe probably suit the 450 better. But as we alluded to earlier, the 450, obviously everyone's fast, especially at Supercross because that's a priority in America. So, But I do think he has what it takes to get a, a lot of number, a lot of top five results. For me, he can do what Stuart can do. Maybe not have that, oh my goodness, raw speed, but I think he can have the consistency to, to be to be knocking on the door. Why not in the top five? And certainly, certainly a consistent top 10 guy, which would be pretty good for his rookie season, I think. And then when he has a good day, He'll be close to that podium, I think. Yeah, he's one. He's one of the guys that you're not really worried about if he can ride a four fifty whenever he makes the jump up, which is good. Yeah, I think for me, he's one to watch this year, especially with Alan Becker in his corner, and another one to watch. He's went under the radar, and we're only talking about him now. Dylan Ferrandez. I was waiting for waiting for you to mention him. Twenty twenty two, but I think the nations proved speed isn't a problem, desire isn't a problem. The way he rode there, he's another one that apparently loves this 450 but again for dylan it's can he get off the gate we saw the previous yamaha tomac could get off the gate and dylan still struggled with all the names we've mentioned even if you start five to ten your hopes of winning the supercross is greatly reduced if you're dylan Ferrandis, you need to get out of within that top three top five last year we saw he had speed but then you're taking risks trying to come through the field that can lead to crashes. You're getting frustrated. You can see the leaders going away when you know you've got the speed to match them. So this year, he's apparently more comfortable on the bike, but it's still going to come down to starts. If he gets the starts, then he can relax. And once he knows he's a speed in the first couple of rounds, we might see a very, very strong Dylan Ferrandis. But again, a wee bit like Cooper Webb, you're not quite sure what way it's going to go with Dylan. But I think starts are, are going to be a key indicator early in the year. Well, I think with Dylan, we don't need the question of speed. I think no. that he's as quick as anybody on his day. But as you said, his starts aren't good. And I don't know how he is. He, he's, he, he, could, he could go down a slippery slope. You know, he's, he's already got quite a few injuries racing Supercross. And similar to Adam Cincerello, he can't really afford to get injured again this year. So similar to him, just stay injury-free. He knows he's going to have speed. We don't need to question that. On his day, Dylan is as quick as anybody, Supercross or Motocross. So... Mentally, he should know that, but again, he gets carried away and uh, he wants to win. So it's going to be an interesting one. But certainly, if he if he can get good starts and put himself in good positions to start with, that that he he could be there knocking on the door, no doubt about it. But yeah, he does have the odd crash in him, and maybe sometimes he does push above his limit, as unbelievable he was at the motocross the nations. You could tell he was riding on the absolute limit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Moto just from France were looking like they were really mm, going to challenge yeah. American. And with Supercross, your margin for error with mistakes are, is even smaller mm. and the chance of injury even higher if you get it wrong. So mistakes, but that can also correlate with the with the bad starts. I think those are the, those are the issues for Dylan. But if he's liking this bike better, again, that might help make, make less mistakes. But I think it's still going to come down to start, start, starts for Dylan Ferrandez. Yeah, hopefully uh, he's been doing plenty of starts in the in the in the off season to prepare for this because that's one thing one 
that one thing he doesn't really need to work on probably compared to some riders is speed because he has it in abundance. So yeah, hopefully he can get out of the gate and make make life easier for himself compared to his four fifty supercross career so far. And another couple of riders then to keep an eye on the Hill brothers. Justin Hill missed all of last year, but everyone I think knows just how talented he is. If he can put that together with Team Tedder, who Josh is riding for as well, he could maybe get in amongst it and do some top tens. But with the Hill brothers, you just don't know what you're going to get. We saw Josh World Supercross; he was pretty consistent and pretty fast. So it's not like he's coming in unprepared race wise. Don't think he's doing all the rounds, but. The Hill Brothers could be a couple of wild cards to keep an eye on in this pretty stacked 450 class. So you've alluded to it earlier. Tomac's your favourite for the championship. He's mine as well. I think we're both picking him to win it. But who's your top three in the championship going to be in 2023? Oh, top, top three in the championship? Oh, God, you've hit me there. I thought you were going to say, who do you think's going to win? I won't. Um, well, Tomac for sure first. Uh, Anderson second. Third's tricky because you don't know who's going to get injured and all that. Even though the two guys just said could get injured, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go. I would go Saxon or Webb third. I'll go. I'll go Saxon third. Yeah, I think I'll go Tomac, Saxton. So we're both agreed in the top four then. So those top four, yeah. those top four. So those top four are completely screwed then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've just picked them. Could be top five overall. Hmm. But again, it's his health. If he knew he was going to be healthy all year, yeah. maybe put him in that group with Webb, you know, that yeah. five. But I think at the minute you're that top three plus maybe Webb plus maybe. Yeah, the so problem is rocks. The pro problem is the rocks not as bad days. You just don't know where he could finish. You know he yeah. could have a complete stinker and finish thirteenth, like three or four event main events, and you yeah. can't really do that at that level. Or you can't make the odd mistake as you said. And then yeah. Three good days and one really really bad day. Yeah. Tomac Tomac doesn't really do that very much these days. Like he said himself, he's meant to be in the best place he's ever been in. So I think for him and us, he, he's the favourite going into this championship. So that's the 450 class discussed. We'll briefly look at the, the 250 West. Uh, which is I have got a question for you just before we go on to the 250s. We'll obviously discuss them in the 250s, but obviously Chet Lawrence has said that he might ride some 450 main events that don't clash. Do you think he should do that? Do you think it's a good idea? From I'll give you my perspective first to give you time to think. I personally don't think he should rush it because he's going to be doing 450 outdoors anyway and he's got a 250 title to think about and Jet being so good, he could probably win on his 450 debut. But at the same time, you know, he could be battling with Eli and, you know, battling at the front of a 450 Supercross class is a lot more intense than at the front of the 250. So he could end up, you know, crashing or doing something daft and I just don't think he really needs to take that risk because he's going to be riding a 450 in the motocross season anyway, so he'll be able to get used to the bike. Obviously, it'd be a great story, and it'd be great to see him in the 450 Supercross class, but, I mean, this time next year, we'll be able to see him in the class anyway. So 
from his perspective, I don't know if he needs to rush it because uh, he's only 19 at the end of the day. Well, I think he must be being employed by Team Honda secretly because Lars Lindstrom sort of mentioned similar that they were thinking of putting him on the 450 to test, race test him, but now they might not be. Whereas Jet, I think, right, okay. was keen initially to do it. So that remains to be seen. Personally, I think he should because when he's racing next year, he's not going to have any data. Like outdoors, we'll know what he can do with some of the nations. He'd probably be even better in 450. But I think from the team's perspective, they're really expecting him to be up there in the 450. And that's where he's going to get experience outdoors for Supercross. But I would like to see him ride even a couple. We saw Roxon do it, we saw Dunsey do it, we saw Kevin Windham in 97 was leading 125 West class, jumped up, actually won a main event on the 250. Test one to Windham's talent, obviously, but this happened a lot more 10, 15, 20 years ago. It wasn't really a, as much of a big deal. Now it seems to be a lot more of a big deal and the teams are not so keen in doing it. For me, I, I like it. Because I think it, even if he does one or two rounds, it just gives him a base setting of what he has to work for the next year. Ideally, he'll race Tampa, because that's where I'm super cross I should be at. But two weeks after, I think that's two, three, two, three weeks of preparation, and it's in Florida. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed. Jet Lawrence will be on a 450 in Tampa. But it sounds like he might be taking your view of it, keeping safe for 450 outdoors, and just make sure he gets the 250 West title. But my view is let him ride a couple, no expectations, no pressure, just to get base settings and a feel for what the class is like. So when he's going in next year, he has some data for going into A1, and he's not just going into Anaheim 1 next year. Complete rookie, complete pressure, expectation, because everyone knows how good he is. But don't think people will be going, oh, this is he's going to take time. People will be expecting him to be at the sharp end, challenging for wins and podiums. So I think a couple of rounds this year wouldn't do him any harm. But again, we saw it have worked with Dungey and other riders that might not work with him. As you said, Jet can get excited. He's still so young. But I would probably still take the risk, probably earlier rather than later in the Supercross season. So then if something does go wrong, he's, he's maybe a bit of healing time for to do his 250 mm -hmm. West and get ready for outdoors again. So hopefully Tampa. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, be an interesting one. I mean, I would just say it for him to do it and then end up in the hospital bed. You know, that would be my worry. If you could guarantee, and plus it's Jet, you know, it's all right saying no expectations, just go out and ride around. But that kid doesn't ride around for fifth, you know what I mean? So that would be my worry. But uh, it will be interesting to see what what uh, what direction to go in and if we'll see him line up in any 450 races this year. Especially if something goes wrong in the West early. Then will they let him ride? You know, if something happens or the mm. title hunt, will he let him? That all remains to be seen. We'll talk to 50 Rep West now and remain talking about Jet Lawrence. He is by far the favourite for this class. No one should really be close to him, bar maybe Austin Fortner. We know they had a bit of a rivalry last year. It ended badly for Fortner when Jet collided into him accidentally in midair over the finish jump on a broken collarbone from Fortner injury again. He's probably the guy that if you had to put your money on could maybe run with Jet, but Jet's got so much confidence now. You'd expect over the series he would be the guy to beat. Another guy I like, but he hasn't quite stayed totally healthy yet, but shows a lot of promise, a lot of technicality on the bike. And pretty mentally mature, I think, because I think he's early 20s now, Levi Kitchen. I think he could surprise some people as well. But 
overall you, you have to look for, for Jet Lawrence for this title. Yeah, I mean, something desperately has to go wrong for Jet not to win the championship. Something like riding with 450 and trying to go for the win and getting carried away, something like that. Um, but yeah, Jet's just unbelievable. 19, not even 20 yet, and already what he's achieved in his career. Um, basically racing in all the, the big three continents that you need to race in to, to make a name for yourself. And now he's one of the best riders in the world. There's no doubt in that. But I. For me, I was very, very surprised to hear that Austin Fortner was actually going to race the same coast as him. Don't know why. I just thought he would race the opposite coast, to be honest. But it's interesting to see that we'll we'll see that rivalry. Well, if you can call it a rivalry, I mean, Fortner needs to try and get close to Jet before we can call it a rivalry. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still still surprising for me. I thought Fortner would have rode the other coast, to be honest, because. Even he knows if Jet rides his best, it's going to be very, very hard to win this championship. And he would definitely have had another better chance at the, the other coast. So very, very interesting, I think, uh, to see that, that those two will be lining up together. And then as well, you have RJ Hampshire hit and miss as well. Not Very wild. The guy that can stay on the bike, but always the guy that can go very fast. Pierce Brown, for me, he's a lot of talent. There's somewhat unfulfilled, pretty stylish on the bike. He can get good results, but we're still waiting on the consistency with him. And then we have Max Anstey, British rider down to the 250s. The 250 didn't go great at motocross of nations problems with the bike, but I think any fears around that was dispelled with World Supercross. Really, really good there. Came within a couple of laps in one pass and Shane McElrath is winning that title. Fast in the Australian Supercross. He's plenty of Supercross laps under his belt. Especially against the likes of Shane McElmath, that World Supercross class was really stacked. So I think that's going to put him in good stead for coming into AMA. He's not, there's going to be no doubt of himself with the bike. I think he knows he's ready to go and he knows he's fast. Jet Lawrence fast, not too sure, but I think he's he's a different he, level. But for the rest, for Anstey can stay in there. If Jet gets hurt, Anstey gets the starts. I think he's on for maybe top, certainly top five, but probably... He'll be looking at podiums this year, if not race wins, if he can have his day. Yeah, well, I mean, if we look at the 450 Supercross class, it's very, very stacked. And, you know, Max, a handful of times, is battling for 10th. So very, very solid in the 450 class. And obviously we know from his, his GP career that he can ride a 250 as well. He probably had better motocross results on the 250 than he did 450. So, yeah, um. Um, also, we have to remember because the 250s are split, you know, there's two different coasts, it's not going to be quite as stacked either. So, um, it might not be as chaotic, which is quite good for Max as a 450 main supercross might be. And so, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think he should be battling for the top five, hopefully. And yeah, since he's went to America, he maybe hasn't got the best bike and things like that and hasn't been the happiest, but hopefully that's all behind him now. And he, he's got a half decent bike with the, the Aussie team. Um, far far blade Honda isn't it? or far power Honda, far power Honda, yeah. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully it's it's a step in the right direction. It's certainly interesting to see him make the move to a two fifty. Yeah. In the UK, it's really someone that can really run a front MS Supercross, mm -hmm. which is pretty unique. Also, 
former British stroke New Zealand interest point. You've Dylan Walsh doing some there for the Revo 7 Kawasaki team. You think he's riding British Championship later on in the year? And he's doing Hawkstone in between, so that'll be interesting. He'll be riding Supercross, yeah, then going to Hawkstone, and then contrast. back to riding Supercross yeah, again. Complete eye-opener. Dylan Walsh thing to do, just go for it. If Dylan Walsh gets a start, keep your eye on him because he's uh, fearless and he, I think he's getting faster and faster in Supercross as well. I saw it in World Supercross. He wasn't scared of anyone. I think Celia ended up putting him down. That's right, uh, yeah. Before the final corner and that looked painful. But other than that, he, he's he's certainly a competent Supercross rider now. So getting into the mains for him and then probably pushing on for top 15, top 10 would be his goal. But another rider to keep an eye on. But that's a wrap on the 2023 Supercross preview show. Two, three days away for us is kind of an extra half a day, which is on so late at night. So that's going to be very tiring. So hopefully the racing will be very exciting. Keep us awake. But Andy, that's it. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully there'll be no rain for Anaheim 1 and hopefully there'll be no big injuries. But Eli Tomac, he's our guy to beat for 2023. Let's see what happens. Thank you. Ciao.